This episode, the second of a two-part series, was done four years ago that has significant historic importance. It's being replayed for those of you who may not have heard it. It tells the story firsthand of brave freedom riders who changed dual waiting laws and bus stations for blacks and whites in the South in 1961. Rolling down the Jackson, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Rolling down the Jackson, oh yeah. Now you're in this prison, you're starting to overcrowd the prison. When did the singing start? What role okay. did it play? Why were you singing? All right, well, it, it, being moved to Parchman played an important role because for the first time, the black and white Freedom Riders were in the same cell block. Now, the cells were not integrated, but in the same cell block, we had blacks and whites. Got it. it is not in jest when I say the black riders taught us white boys to sing. And sing we did, and I will make a very strong case that the freedom songs are the soul of the civil rights movement. That they give us hope, they raise our spirits, they bind us together in a positive way, in a joyful expression. It's hard to believe, but we loved our singing time, sitting there on death row. How, uh, how many hours a day would you sing, would you say? I have, you know... Practically nonstop. Really? I mean, it was just, uh, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a planned thing. There'd somebody start a song, and we'd, and we'd carry on, and we'd sing some more. Did the guards come and say, shut up? They certainly did. The screws, the guards that were white, and they said we had to, we had to shut that mess up because we were bothering the cooks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. And uh, what yeah. color were the cooks again? I, yeah. I know. They, it was really bothering them. And, and so we refused uh, to uh, stop the singing. What did they threaten you with? Well, um, we didn't not, they didn't have much to threaten us with because they had only given us uh, underpants, a T-shirt, that's all the clothing we got, a toothbrush, and a Bible. And they literally said, if you don't, if you don't stop singing... What part of the Bible did they believe in? Exactly. <laughs> they read the wrong one. Yeah, that's <laughs> Pretty much Old Testament, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> That's a different show. Uh, sorry. <laughs> so they said they would take Shema away... Yisrael. <laughs> Go ahead. They, they, it, that they would take away our toothbrushes. If yeah. they, I mean, that was the literal yeah. threat. Took away mattresses, though, as oh, well? Oh, get to that point. Right. Then, we're going to take your Bibles away. And... Uh, Oh, well. So they took the Bibles, and we're still singing. So then, you're correct, they took the mattresses and the bedding. Now, the, the bunk beds in, uh, on death row are made of a quarter-inch steel plate with holes drilled about every six inches for ventilation. And so now we're sleeping on this steel plate uh, without a mattress, and you'd get these big welts on your back where you're... <laughs> we're still singing. Well, in the maximum security unit, the lights are on 24-7. They never go off. They took the screens off the windows. So the bugs there. And uh, this is in the Mississippi Delta oh. in, uh, in the heat and humidity of uh, June. And the insects came in in droves. 
and uh, Mississippi grows really big mosquitoes, I can tell you that much. So we're now, we're now what? Well, at 2 a.m., the guards sh uh, switch off, and the new guards say, well, look at all them bugs. I, I think we're going to have to spray. And around 3 o'clock in the morning, we hear what it sounds like a fire truck. You know, a big diesel truck pulls up, and they thread this hose in through one of the windows and spray us down with uh, DDT. Oh. This stinging, I mean, eye stinging, skin stinging. They hose, we're in the cell, defenseless, and they just hose down the entire cell block with DDT so that there was these puddles of white toxic material everywhere. The next day, did you stop singing? I we were still singing, but I we were, <laughs> we were um, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the enthusiasm just, yeah. that right. well, it started to wane. Well, but then the the next morning the warden shows up, and I was in cell five, and that's the, it went up to about cell twenty maybe, and he was standing right outside my cell and was talking to us. He said, "Now boys, we got off on the wrong foot. We don't need all this mess." If you'll just tone down your singing, uh, we'll give you your things back. Going, well, we're not going to stop singing. Well, we'll try to work with you. Well, we couldn't understand. It was a total change in attitude. And it turned out around that afternoon, the governor of Minnesota sent a delegation down to see the conditions inside the prison because there were four, there were four prisoners from Minnesota. And so they couldn't have had that delegation look at us. So that's, that was the big change in... Uh, and women were where, David? They and were on the other side of the cell block. Were they? Could you hear each you know, other singing? I have heard them say that they could hear us singing. We did not hear them singing. Okay. I don't know uh, whether it might have been... The maximum security unit is this is a long building with a large section in the middle uh, where the electric chair is. And uh, they were on the left-hand side, and we were on the right-hand side, and maybe it didn't transmit. But what's uh, the chance of you singing a piece of a song? Oh, and that, we have. Try to way, stop me. This should. <laughs> what? This should be established. If, uh, uh, if we, I don't sing, would you take my Bible away? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have in this audience a group of folk singers and songwriters as well. We have a number of people in this audience, including uh, some community leaders from the area where we live. Uh, who, as Jerry was f referring to earlier, have lived this through their families and through their own lives. Uh, but we're hoping, by the way, David, that some of these singers and songwriters who are here tonight will hear one of these songs, if not more, and maybe take one forward, put it in a set list, sing these songs, carry the story forward. Which song are we going to sing first? Uh, well, we could. Uh, I, one of my favorite is right there on the front, Woke Up This Morning with My Mind Stand on Freedom. I want to just say, again, I was mentioning this earlier, that these songs are direct descendants of spirituals that the slaves sung. And that same spirit of striving for freedom that the slaves were working for, we're still working for the same thing right here. It had the same raising of spirits, the spiritual value to the Freedom Riders. So uh, these so songs were tools to you guys. Oh, oh absolutely. Okay. And they were directly adapted from striving for freedom from slavery to striving for and freedom. And sometimes changing the words oh, as you yeah, sang, sure. sat in those yeah. in that cell block. <clears throat> uh, you, often you take, uh, sorry folks, taking the name of Jesus out and putting in freedom. I mean, it was, but yeah. it's still... Um, okay. It's okay. okay. 
So uh, you want to you want to sing a song? Sure. Yeah, let's yes. do it. Okay. So, but you, you have to You're stand up for this. You're gonna help us with the tune here. The clapping is on beats two and four. One, two, three, welcome table. All right, now, again, this is a direct descendant of spirituals, and uh, the chorus goes, I'm going to sit at the welcome table, Yeah. 
Boy, that could keep you going. I know. Yeah. Oh, let's see. What, what, what else, else we got, got in there? On page three, there are three of my fellow alumni. These three were also on my cell block. John Lewis, that we've talked about. Stokely oh. Carmichael. Oh, wow, yeah. And Jim Farmer. Stokely Carmichael was in the cell block? Yeah. So the Stoke- Black Power movement. Yes, yeah, Stokely uh, Carmichael um, saw these freedom rides, nonviolence as a tool, but not as a way of life. And in fact, he and I had some very interesting philosophical discussions about uh, nonviolence as a way of life versus as a tool. Okay, that's and, interesting. Uh, so yes, he, he, he coined the term uh, black power, and uh, he felt that um, nonviolence was not going to get black folk free. Okay. That you're going to have to do something more than just that. I didn't know he was uh, a freedom rider. That's yes, he was. Do one more song, would you okay. please? Okay, one more song. Yeah, I'm trying to do it do in my key. Do you have a request? On the All right. A request from uh, Reverend Shuttlesworth's daughter, Ruby Shuttlesworth Bester. It's a good suggestion. This is better than American Idol. (laughs) Okay, that's right. I forgot. I'm supposed to be talking. All right. So everyone's singing, and you're in the uh, Parchman uh, prison. Mm -hmm. How did the 40 days get into this? You have 40 days uh, that you can post bail. If If you don't post bail in 40 days, then you are sentenced to six months. So the idea was we're going to fill the jails up, but we were going to bail out after 40 days. So you don't get the six months. Well, new people would oh, come. Oh, they were coming in like i got to okay. show you something. Yeah. So new people would be coming down on. The buses eventually came from all places. Yes. It wasn't just from. All across the United, uh, United States. Yes. Um, so you're not going to be able to see this on radio too well. Mug shots. And then a photographer went around and tracked down all the Freedom Riders and took current pictures. There's about 400 and some uh, Freedom Riders that came. There was about six months. It started in May, and I think the last people were arrested in September. Because and it was in September. By the way, the name of the book is Breach of Peace, and you can get it if you go to, what do you say, Amazon? Amazon. Yeah, it's yeah. on Amazon. It's pretty powerful when you look at all that. The reason the, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but the reason the Freedom Rides kind of stopped around September is because in September the legislation finally was passed and enforced. Actually it wasn't legislation. What we were trying to get was Bobby Kennedy to issue an injunction to right. enforce right. the law. In other yes. words we were just asking him to enforce, enforce the law and he finally did. And, yes. but, and David of the 
400 Freedom Riders, yeah. some of whom were at Parchment, others uh, bailed out. The jail and bail was a f- previous strategy. Yes. That Did was... anybody die in the process of the Freedom Rise? I know that Not, Cheney no, and no, others died no. in the subsequent years. No, but... nobody died. It's lucky they didn't because they were severely beaten and some of them unconscious. Do you uh, know the story? I've read this story and it's an opportunity to ask you this. You mentioned uh, Reverend Fred Shuttlesworth earlier. There was a point in which some of the people who were beaten were taken into hospitals. It might have been in Montgomery, by the way, and then stitched up and pretty much kicked to the curb. Hospital staffers saying that they were afraid thugs, KKK Mm -hmm. people would come in and turn their wrath on the hospital people if they let people stay overnight. That Reverend Shuttlesworth rounded up some people and came and rescued some of those Freedom Riders. Can uh, you tell that story? And do I have uh, that? I don't right? know. I bet you you can tell it. Uh, his daughter referring can tell to it Ruby Shuttlesworth Bester. Fred Shuttlesworth did not necessarily believe in uh, total nonviolence. <laughs> Is that right? Am I right? <laughs> yeah. I said, I'm going to let you talk. <laughs> no, no. You, I want. Have you heard um, this story? Jim Peck came to our house yes. when he was uh, beaten up. Um, and I was amazed. I was I was amazed. I was 16 because his he it was a very rich family, and it made me feel good that this man would come and do this for people. And I, we had down in the south. You have a guest bath bedroom, and he ruined our spread on that guest that bedroom. Blood. We were never ever able to use that. In fact, we're restoring the parsonage now. Um, that's a project I'm working on in Birmingham. But he, and there are pictures that they have of him standing outside with the many bruises. And if you go to the Birmingham Civil Rights Institute, you can see him talking. You can see the actual beating. Uh, Daddy and a number of men from the Alabama Christian Movement went to Anderson to bring the people back because it could not be treated there. And he had to unload them. Yes, he he was nonviolent. He had to tell them, we're going to stop here and take all those guns you have and leave them in this garden, and we'll get them when we come back. But we had to be nonviolent because there was no way in the world that we could fight. As far as Bobby Kennedy, he did work and the president behind the scenes, and he advised Daddy to not go into Mississippi. He advised the freedom. But this was a movement that had started that could not be stopped by threats. And he was political, and they had to do what, was, what they did, but a lot of things were done undercover for fear of your life, your job, your resources, your house, whatever. But those people that helped really helped at a needy time. But Jim Peck was, was outstanding to me because I was a 16-year-old about to leave. This was in May. I graduated May 31st, and we were in Cincinnati June 5th. That Just was that I was Because I met him. I met your yeah. father in, uh, in Abernathy's house. Yeah. And when I came back to Cincinnati, Here's another Fred Shuttlesworth. He had just <laughs> My mother insisted. Yeah. We were bombed uh, yeah. when I was 11 and 50, uh, 56. We were beaten down at Phillips High School when we were integrating in 57. And it was, my sister had been in college for a year at Spelman. And it was just by the grace of God that she was there. She even babysat for the King children. But we were poor. We could not afford it. So my mom said to my dad when Reverend Elvential Booth said, Revelation has a place. She said, we're going. Because Pat is in college and we can hardly keep her there. It's time for Ricky to go. So that's why we came to Cincinnati. Ruby Kay in 61 said, we're going to go. Because there was me and the 
then my brother, and then my baby sister. And if one thing Daddy believed in, it was education. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so your experience, there are two more things I'd, I'd like to cover here is one, how your experience ended, and then let's try to bring it to today. To the, its relevance today and what we might be doing, et cetera. And, and the one thought I had is, okay, so you were there for 40 days. You explained why. Uh, actually, 40 I, was, I was there for 42 days, and I was sweating bullets. blood. When yes. Because <laughs> oh, I, I knew say bullets, I had, you know. I had uh, 40 days to get bailed out, and now it's the 41st day. I thought, oh, I'm going to be here till Christmas. Yeah. And 42nd day, still nothing. But it's, yeah. the, the well, old, David, to make the point, if I understood what I've read, and it's a good opportunity to check it if you stayed 40 beyond 40 days then they could give you the penalty of the six that's months exact, that's exactly yeah. right so that's, that's right. why you were that, so and that's why uh, i was uh, anxious uh, yes okay. uh but it turned out it's just a uh, bureaucratic paperwork you know they it took them two days to do the paperwork okay so now you get out and when they come and say you're coming with us now a part of you went Phew. I made it through. Mm, yep. And so they, then they put me on, they, they have, they look like gray school buses with bars on the windows, except right. the seats are metal. And they put me on one of those buses and took me back to Jackson. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I remember there was a white lawyer who was supported the civil rights, who gave us a wonderful meal and then put us on a train, passenger train from Jackson, Cincinnati. And it may be difficult for you to understand, but when I saw that the train passed from Mississippi into Tennessee, I mean, Tennessee was a, a far better place than, it, you think, Tennessee, are you sure? Yes, yeah. I was. It was. And then I got, so now I arrived in Cincinnati at Union Terminal. It's a culture shock already. And now I get off the train and I hear freedom songs being sung. And in the concourse, very long, echoey concourse, there are about 50 core members there to greet me in the station. And they were singing freedom songs. I thought, oh my goodness, two big guys picked me up on their shoulders and carried me the length of the concourse. I thought, where am I? What nice. drugs was I taking? I don't know. <laughs> nice. But uh, so it was, a, it was a, a, an amazing um, Welcome back to back to Cincinnati. So, what is the connection from all that you went through back then? Now, x number of years later, as you look at it, as somebody who had lived that history, yeah. how do you see today? Have we well, progressed greatly from then? As Part a biologist, I would say there's been evolution, right. uh, but there's serious defects in the in the society that continue, uh, and I. Honestly, think I think that part of the problem is still left over from slavery. Slavery purposefully destroyed the black family. Purposefully, the men were just only good as bucks to create children that they could sell. And that heritage, I think, is still, I think that the black man continues to this day to strive for respect in this society. And I, I firmly believe that what we're still struggling with is the residual injustice of slavery. Well, it continued past slavery with welfare, where the welfare law says that the man's living at home yeah. 
uh, you can't get right. two incomes, so the only yeah. way you could get an right. income is, you can't get an income, so the only way you could get an income is if dad leaves. Right. And so we right. built into the system an incentive to break up right. the black family in America. So this, this has been policy, right. which brings us to what the battleground is today. And most of the laws, that's where the evolution has really mm -hmm. taken place. The right. laws are better than they used to be. That's clear. Right. Right. But now the battleground is the economic front. Right. Income inequality in America, it's never been greater. It is staggering. It is, it is embarrassing. And what makes it even more embarrassing is when everyone admits to it, and even now, for example, Republicans are trying to get away from that 47% comment that uh, <laughs> um, Mitt Romney, Mitt, I try to forget, uh, that Mitt <laughs> Romney was talking about. When we say things are better today, yeah, in some ways, clearly they're better, but not economically. Mm -hmm. Not economically. We still have people voting against school hunger programs, you know, school lunch programs. Really? What is the moral basis? I mean, how can you call yourself religious? How can you call yourself a Christian, a Jew, any, pick your religion. How can, how can you say you believe in God and then say it's okay to have kids go hungry or people not be able to make a living on a minimum wage? You know, what do we, what's the argument on the other side? Just stop it. Good words, Jerry. Hey, uh, David. Thank you very much, David, Thank you. for yes. sharing Thank you. this story You're with welcome. us. And as I mentioned earlier, we hope that these folk singers and songwriters will just take one of these songs, put it in your set list, tell the story of the song. The story is this song was sung by a freedom rider 42 days to fight uh, injustices in the South in the year of 1961. And David, maybe you'll take us out on one last song. Is there a... Uh, one, one final one, uh, and we'll close out with that, please. Hold on, hold on, keep your eyes on the prize. Hold on, let's do that again. Hold on, hold on.
You have been listening to a special edition of Tales, Tunes, and Tomfoolery. Tune in again to hear the continuing conversation, and don't forget to tell your friends. Oh